We are back for another edition of Unplugged. Six rounds down and the season has gone pear-shaped, certainly in the early stages. There is a long way to play and a lot that can be redeemed, but a lot of the, the concerns that we had uh, a week ago out of the Richmond game certainly remain. It was always going to be tough heading across to Adelaide and uh, the group dominated the first quarter, but it felt very much like a 2018-19 game where St Kilda would often dominate inside 50s and territory but have no way of hitting targets or converting when they did so. And they were dominating without dominating, if that makes sense. You thought, well, they should be in the game, but they looked stuffed at the same time. You thought, well, there's no way back. And it proved to be the case. It was a rather ugly five-goal game where, um, you know, they, they conceded 14. It wasn't a particularly entertaining game for, for anybody probably to watch it. Even for Port Adelaide, it was sort of a pedestrian old affair where it was over fairly early. So, Two and four, we, we scratch our heads. It was a difficult period a few weeks ago where we thought, geez, they had to win at least one of them. They won the first one against West Coast. And then you're hoping that they'd be a little bit better over the next couple and, and be competitive at the very least. But it's crunch time against Hawthorne. It's a game they have to win. Otherwise, the season spirals completely out of control. There's some uh, a couple of little injury concerns. Daniel McKenzie got suspended. Brad Hill uh, nursing an injury out of last week. It would have been teetering on the brink of selection in any case. Uh, but we look ahead to, to Hawthorne very, very shortly. Our special guest will be one of our finer players during the halcyon days of 2008, 9, 10, 11-ish. And that was Sam Gilbert, who was a, a fine servant of the club, running out of defence, taking intercept marks during that period. So he'll join us a little bit later on. But H, as we welcome you, first of all, uh, another really frustrating day watching the Saints. And unfortunately, uh, a few weeks ago, we thought those days were behind us. But um, yeah, we're back scratching our head. Yeah, it was a game that was before the season started. You sort of put it down as a 50 50. After last week, you're sort of going, well, let's just hope we're competitive. And then you get to quarter time thinking we've been competitive, but just couldn't finish. And that's where they left it. <laughs> it just said, from quarter time, pretty much that was it. Um, it just didn't feel like they were, the hunger wasn't there. There was, there was no, let's get ourselves back in this game. Let's, let's make something of it. It just sort of got to quarter, quarter time after a whole lot of effort. And yeah, we just, just dropped off the completely. It's, and as we've been saying in a few places, it, it's not the fact that we're losing. It's, just the way we're losing at the moment. It, it You go through a season losing 15, 16 games in a season and there's effort every week and you sort of think, well, we just weren't good enough. But it just doesn't feel like they're, they're actually out there playing. It, it's yeah, a lot a lot to be lifted from where they are at the moment to get back to being competitive again. And if yeah, the next few weeks are no better, then that, it's going to be a long season. It was a really bizarre first quarter. I mean, even from the from the beginning, you look at, at that incredible Jack Higgins goal and there was very little celebration. There was no energy. There was, you know, no one rushed to him. Yeah, he didn't even look happy with it. He looked kind of almost looked looked like he'd kicked it out on the full. Like there was there was just nothing. There was no happiness, no celebration, no, no elation, no nothing from something you'd expect when you kick a goal like that. Um, especially when you're, you know, you're the underdog and and you've traveled to a to a fortress of of sorts, um, yeah, it was just really really strange. And and I think at quarter time, I think we were plus twelve in the inside fifty differential, and and we were down one four to four one. Um, 
And it, it felt like we were competitive, but part of me felt like we weren't competitive at all. Uh, and it was just a really strange, a really strange feeling. And then it just fell apart after that. And uh, just really hard to work out what's changed you know, from, from last year. It felt strange, as you say, looking at the first quarter unfold and halfway through the quarter, we're double the inside 50s. We've had the same amount of shots for only a goal down, but you're watching, you're thinking, we're no hope of winning this game. And it was weird because we had all the territory, all the play, but you're like, we're not mm. winning this, no way. And and I guess it wasn't as painful as, I think, 2004 in the prelim. We, we had 19 inside 50s to five in the first quarter against Port Adelaide that night, and it was four goals each. This one wasn't as consequential as, as that one, unfortunately. Mm. But, um, yeah, it was it was a really ugly sort of a game. And, and I guess you compare that to the triumph of last year in Port Adelaide where we, you know, we were up and we came through and it was a really significant win. And I think every St Kilda supporter probably looked at each other and thought, geez, we're all right here and we might be in for something. And then you, you fast forward 12 months on and you're uncompetitive in the same fixture. And it, it probably shows how far the group's dropped away. There, there wasn't a lot to like really through the middle. Only two players had 20 possessions and, and they had a lot more than 20 possessions. So I think Sev Ross had 31. Jack Steele had about 27. And then the next most was 17 or 18, which was Crouch or someone of that ilk. Clark and uh, Crouch, yep. Yeah, that's Lou right. Howard so, had 17 as well, had the back line. Yeah, so to have two blokes with 20 possessions in a game um, is, is clearly a, a really ordinary. I mean, they're hitting up with a key forward, so we had little out of King uh, memory was was relatively quiet, not our worst, but and obviously the smalls couldn't get near it. Not all their fault this time, um, but yeah, it, it did have all the hallmarks of eighteen nineteen. And I guess that's the thing you start comparing it to other results. And I know Brett Ratton did say in the presser that maybe we haven't adjusted to the the longer quarters and the pace of the game now with the the man on the mark. But uh, we're going to want to catch up on that reasonably quick. It's a strange yeah. one because um, during the the preseason, all the talk was that we had adjusted really well to the men on the mark and that we were one of the teams, you know, kind of finding an advantage through that, through that period. And I think in round one, we kind of all looked at it and went, we, we're actually pretty good at this. We could, we can move the ball quickly, even in that sort of conditions, you know, wet and windy and, and wild and, and muddy and whatever in, in Sydney. Um, and we still, you know, moved the ball quickly. We, we chased and tackled, we ran, we were direct, we were attacking and it just has just fallen completely away since then. And I just, I don't know what's I don't know what's happened, but it, it looks like the entire squad's confidence is shot, and I don't know how that happens. I, you're right in terms of looking back at that kind of eighteen nineteen period where our our fallback position was kick it long down the line and hope for a contest. You know, there's, there's no hold on to it for an extra second and 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 make someone run to you to provide an option. There's no wait for someone to run past and provide a you know a handball to advantage or or look to switch or or anything like that. It's 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 just take a mark or, or win the ball and kick it long down the line. And, and that's it. That seems to be our game plan at the moment. And I don't know how this has happened because you look at the way we moved the ball and the way, you know, the way that we spread and ran last season, that was the hallmark of our game it was our spread and our run and, and our ball movement. And I don't understand how the, the, the league almost league wide has become a bit more attacking. How have we become more defensive and more stagnant? I think it was more the um, preseason game that we sort of looked at and went, okay, this rules. We're, we're, we're moving the ball to the player coming through to the middle of the field and giving it off to him and just, just opening the field up to what's in front of us to give that um, lead to the forward, give him the open space, give him the kick straight to him. But all of a sudden we're 
getting the mark and then sitting back and going, okay, who are we going to kick it to? It's there's none of those, none of those players running past. There's no um, short these short options. They've disappeared. I don't know whether they're not working hard enough to get to the open space and they're just sort of. I don't know, playing like a, I guess, a zone offense almost. It's sort of like, oh, this is where I am. This is where, if the ball comes to me, it comes to me. It's, mm. it, it doesn't feel like they're, they're not rolling the players through the areas and get in, get out. Cause that's what, I, that's what makes the space. You get in, the ball doesn't come to you, get out and get somewhere else. It, it opens the field up and makes the, um, yeah, opens it up for the next player coming through again. But, um, other times that we have had someone run past, they get the ball and all of a sudden they've got someone right in front of them. You think, well, why did you give that handball to them? You know, there's a opposition coming right the other way. So it's some of the decision-making in some of the situations, you just go, you scratch your head and go, what are you doing? It, it sort of sit there thinking like last week saying that we're not, we kick it long to a leer and, um, there are the defenders and sit on their head, then they're just going to pick it off. And that's exactly what they did. It's so, amazing. Yeah. It's, it's amazing what confidence does um, within that group, confidence in individual form, but also in the system. And I don't think it's a big tactical change. Like, I mean, if you go back to when Alan Richardson was coaching in 2016, when we were a highly attacking side, we'd play a lot of shootouts. We got flogged by some really good teams, but had some good wins, but we kicked, say, 25 goals against Brisbane and, and, you know, big games like that. 2017, we went too far the other way to try to be more competitive. We stopped getting flogged, but we couldn't score and our games were ugly. I don't think there's a big shift like that. It's just, for whatever reason, we're trying to do the same thing, but there's a disconnect, there's a lack of trust or something that's clearly breaking down. Yes, there are injuries that have hurt, and we've seen with other clubs, the Giants have been hurt by injuries, West Coast have been hurt by injuries, Carlton as well. You can't play at your best when all your players are out, but it doesn't explain everything that you see. And we know that a lot of our new recruits are, are struggling for form. Uh, certainly Butler and, and Hill are two of those that you would put very much at the top of the list. Um, some of the fringish players that you bring in from other clubs like McKernan and, and guys like that, you don't expect huge things from, from them, but you know that we haven't been able to find the diamonds in the rough necessarily out of all of that. So yeah, people, people people can be quite fickle, though. I would hope that people would hold their nerve. I mean, six weeks ago, everyone in the media was saying the Masters are recruiting. And then six weeks later, you're hopeless at it. So I would hope that people would allow it to potentially correct itself. It's, you know, you're never too far. I think Brett Ratton even said it after the Essendon game. It's never as bad or as good as it looks. Um, just as quickly as it disappears, it can come back. So... Uh, they've got to find that that secret because I don't think they're trying to do too much differently. It's just broken for whatever reason that the link or the connection is broken. It's it's going to be – it is a real test of how much Brett Ratton has grown, I think, as a coach over the last decade because one of the one of the big knocks, and you talk to Carlton fans now, and, and they're all saying, oh, I've seen this before. I've seen this before. You have a period of really good football, and then it all falls apart for Brett Ratton. And, and I'm not sure – I don't necessarily subscribe to that, but that's no. that's how some Carlton fans – feel but back then it almost felt like there wasn't a plan b like plan a was move the ball quickly attack attack and, and score and when that doesn't work they found it really hard to to, to work out a secondary option or, or a third option even um, and right now plan a isn't working so what is plan b and, and we've got to kind of work out you know where we're at as a team and, and what what do we stand for who are we 
Um, and and so this is a real test of of Rats and and his, I guess the the, the trust and respect that the squad has in him, to to see if he can get the most out of them again. Yeah, it it almost feels like for two weeks now we've pretty much been strangled by the opposition. They've they've given us a little bit of leeway and then just gone nut. We're we're absolutely pinning you down, stopping you, not giving you anything to work with. It's it's a matter of finding a way out and rat rat's basically saying to them we've got a new get a new game plan this is what we're going to change this is what we're going to do this is how we're going to make teams not come in the same way that the same like virtually the three teams have beaten us this year have beaten us the same way so we do we need to find a different way to play our game and i don't know whether we're still similar game plan to last year and it hasn't really changed as much or and then it just it's just not working at the moment. But freeing the players up, giving them a little bit more, I guess, confidence in each other in the way of if we can get move the ball quickly, get it long, get it to our own, get it to our forwards, we can do it instead. Just letting them the opposition float back and pick us off every time, and, uh, and that's where players lose that confidence kicking the ball. The, where ball moves slowly and they're thinking, well, I, I I don't want to turn this ball over and lose the confidence in the kick. And all of a sudden they are turning the ball over. So it's, it's just, yeah, if we need to get them back to the point of going, we can know we can do this. This is how we're going to do it. Move as we need to move as one. That's basically it is. We, we can't have, there's been a couple of individuals out there doing it all. And we just can't rely on them. We can work out. They have a bad game it's over before we know it. So that's right. Yeah. And we're getting, yeah. as you say, we're getting beaten the same way. I mean, we've had three beltings. It should have been four beltings. We got flogged in the other game as well. It just didn't reflect that way on the scoreboard. Um, we haven't been able to create arm wrestles, even in defeat. You've got to be able to make the side at least earn the, the victory against you. But I have heard that as well, Nick, from Carlton supporters about Brett Ratton, but uh, they're effectively full of it if they look at the record of Brett Ratton over the, the I, tenure yeah, at Carlton. I so I agree. Yeah. I mean, he took over a side that, won the wooden spoon. Uh, the following year, they went from winning the wooden spoon to winning 10 games in his first year as coach. And they made the finals in his second year, made the finals in his third year, won a final in his fourth year and lost a semi by three points. So almost played a prelim. Then the following year, they would have made the finals, but they lost to us twice. They just had a couple of bad losses at the end and then they sacked him because Mick Malthouse came along. So mm. I'm not sure there was ever a drop away night to think that way, then that's fine. But um. I guess we're going to try to find some votes out of that performance somehow. Uh, one name's pretty common amongst it, but um, I'll have a bit of a crack first. I gave one vote to Rowan Marshall. He didn't dominate, but he was competitive and worked hard, and I thought his efforts were important around the ball and showed how much we missed him. Um, certainly couldn't fault anything he put forward. I gave two votes to Jack Steele, another really strong game in the middle. I just need some support. And three votes because he got a bit of support here. I thought Seb Ross, who had been down for a few weeks, had 31 possessions. He's tackled well. His clearance work was pretty good. He's not the perfect player we know. Seb, his ball use can, can definitely improve. And um, But I think on a pretty bleak night, um, it'd be hard to be too critical of his performance by comparison to others. Um, H, how did you play it? Uh, very similar. Um, once again, I find myself giving one to Jack Steele. Um, again, does what he does week in, week out. You know, I, virtually, I give, give him the one to start with and then 
see how well he dominates and then move him up the ladder a bit further each week. And but yeah, I got got him on one again. I gave two to Sebros. Um he one of the players who actually showed I guess a, a bit of movement. He actually tried moving the ball quickly. He tried getting it as out of sticky situations. He he did all right in the way of um what was it, six clearances and it just just tried to get the ball going, but yeah, he just didn't have a lot of support. And I go three to Rowan Marshall. I think maybe underselling him a little bit with the just the one. I mean well uh sixteen disposals, twenty three hit outs, which is um <coughs> something we really missed. But on top of that, out of his sixteen disposals, thirteen were contested. Five contested marks. So, personally, is that a huge game? Um, just a bit more. Oh, get the goal as well. So a bit, a bit more game time in him, and hopefully he's back to what we were seeing last year. Um, he, he's a huge hole, as Nick has mentioned before, saying he's he's probably the key player to our structure, and it, it certainly showed on the weekend. Yeah, I mean, same three for me. I just wanted to give a, an honourable mention to Jack Billings. Again, it wasn't it wasn't his best game by any means. He didn't have a great game, but I thought he was someone that kept trying, especially in the forward half, trying to be creative out of a, a game when we kicked five goals. He had three goal assists um, and 440 metres gained. You know, he was trying to be creative. He was, he was trying things and it didn't always work. In fact, it often didn't work, but, you know, at least he was trying that um, in, in a game where, where we severely lacked kind of creative especially getting into the plan of fascia the week before yeah exactly exactly um but yeah other than that i mean the same three it's it's pretty obvious i gave one to rowan marshall i think he was good um i think we know you know like you said h we know how important he is to his team he he played his role it's certainly i don't think he had he had a, a great game by any means i thought he had a good game and he was solid um and he was still one of our best um on a night when we didn't have a huge amount of contributors. Um, but, you know, it just showed that even when he's not, you know, playing at his best um, and he's not 100% and, and he's not, you know, he's not his dominant self, that he's still able to have an impact and, and you know, how, how important he is to our structure. Um, two to Jack Steele. Jack Steele just does Jack Steele things. You know, again, he doesn't have a great game, but he's he's probably still our best player. Um, and Seb Ross was, was his best game for a long time, I thought. 500 metres gain, six clearances, played most of the game, I think mid 80% of the game he played um, and was was just very important, just kept running. kept he, he was one of the guys that that would win a hard ball and then spread out of a midfield that didn't spread and didn't run. He kept doing it all night and uh, you got to give him props. Uh, we know, like you said, Parker, he's not, he's not the perfect player, he's not the perfect midfielder and he, and he has some clear flaws. Um, and I think at this stage of his career, we shouldn't expect anything more than that. But you know he had a he had a pretty good game, and it's interesting. And you, you're right. I mean, he, he cops a bit of criticism, Severos, and a lot of players do. But um, geez, there'd be 17 blokes you'd drop before him at the moment. I mean, there's a lot of people saying, "Oh, I should never play again, or never pick him again." And it's like, well, how's he stacking up with Brad Hill and Zach Jones and Brad Crouch and all of these blokes? I think he's, he can walk off the ground with his head a bit higher than, than some of those guys can at present. So. Um, even though you know some of the criticism is certainly grant, um, granted at times with his ball use and, and things like that, but 
yeah, hard to be too critical of him out of that. Uh, we do look ahead to Hawthorne in a moment, but we're going to go back to uh, the nearly premiership era, I guess, of, uh, of the era just prior to this one and speak to one of our 200 gamers in Sam Gilbert. I reckon that's the hottest of foot he's been all day that moment. The Saints go forward, Revolt and Brown, Gilbert lurking, Maxwell getting back. Kept his head over at Maxwell. The handball for Schneider. Can't quite break it. Gilbert. Gilbert. He's got it. They're in this now. Our next guest on Unplugger. We've caught up to a lot of players from this era, but I was taken 33 in the 2005 draft. Went on to play 208 games for the Saints. Finished third in the best and fairest in a grand final year. In 2010, and was an absolute star during those periods, the, the 8, 9, 10 period where St Kilda got so close to winning a flag. I represented Australia in the international rules as well, having a kick with a couple of ex-Saints at Bond Beach in the Mornington Peninsula League as well. Sam Gilbert, thanks very much for your time. Thanks for having me, boys. Now, um, touching on when you look back at your career overall, is it one where you sit there and think, you know, 200 games, satisfied with the journey? Or, or do you come back to those grand finals a little bit? Is there, is there sort of an overriding feeling about the career where you're like, good, but could have been better in terms of those results? What, what's the feeling when you look back? Yeah, I think definitely once you finish, you start thinking about uh, less about your personal uh, achievements, more about the team. And yeah, definitely uh, the, the nine and 10 grand finals definitely... Uh, come up in uh, your memories probably more than um, your positive or negative performances. Uh, you grew up in Queensland, down south, obviously. It's, it's sort of a bit of a AFL pocket, I guess. But what, what led you towards AFL over playing, say, rugby or union or what, anything else other way? Yeah, it's, uh, it was pretty unusual because I did start a little bit late at 16. And um, my, my family, we always lived up at Terranora and Tweedheads, and we moved to Kira, right next to the uh, AFL Oval. And it was just purely, I saw the boys training down there and I wanted to get, I, I heard that they trained a little bit harder in the pre-season. I wanted to get fitter for rugby league. And uh, I went down and had a, a couple of training sessions and went, you know what, this is, this is a game I love. And I just couldn't have enjoyed it anymore and just kind of quit league after about a month and, and went and played for the uh, local Aussie rule side. Sam, one of, one of the knocks through your entire career, I guess, no one could knock your effort or, or your endeavour, but the, um, I, guess, I guess the kicking skills, how, how hard or, or difficult was it for you to pick that up coming in at such a late age? Yeah, it's probably, it was probably a little bit, uh, definitely a little bit difficult to, um, coming from uh, probably no junior base in, in kicking um, to then um, three years later, lucky enough to play Aussie Rules. Um, so yeah, it was, it was definitely something that it took time to learn. Um, definitely felt like a lot better kick at the end of my career than the start. That's for sure. Uh, how did you feel about footy in general, in terms of your awareness of the AFL? You're obviously having a bit of a kick, but you, you debuted at the MCG against Carlton in 2006. Uh, had you ever been there before? Had you had much experience sort of watching high level football in the years prior to getting drafted? I, I didn't. I was uh, I was the anomaly a little bit where before I got drafted, I didn't know. Uh, I never actually been to a game. I never watched the game. I never watched the game of AFL before I got drafted. And um, when I got to the Saints, I actually um, I I had to 
download literally the old days of computers where I had to like literally print off all the players, try to memorize the players before I got there because I didn't want anyone to know that I didn't know who anyone was. Um, thinking, of, thinking of teammates and that sort of stuff, we're having a quick look at the draft class that you came in through. Now, the other ones who you came in with sort of didn't stick around for long. I think Michael, I saw Michael Ricks was there for three years, but did, did you find you attached to them more than the other ones who were already at the club or came in later? And if, when they left, how did you find that sort of um, transition? Yeah, no, no doubt. The guys you get drafted with, you become closest with very quickly. Um, and Bill Raymond, someone I got drafted with, uh, and he only lasted two years, I still speak to, to today. So it's definitely, uh, you definitely build a, a bond or connection with that initial uh, group of guys. But uh, I was lucky enough to have guys like David Armitage and uh, Sean Dempster, um, Sam Fisher, just guys that I got to play with, uh, you know, Jason Blake, Nick Dalsano, that, that I got to then continue to build that bond and, and that friendship that I, that I can have till today. Walk us through that that period because that must have been a real whirlwind from that sixteen year old kind of first picking up the footy to being drafted at eighteen nineteen. What was the, what were those couple of years like? And and when it came down to draft day, what were you expecting? Um, yeah, look, I didn't even know that there was a draft until until probably about a couple of months before. I I never made a Queensland side, um, so I made the rep side, but I, I never I never made the actual I made the actual side. Um, and then, yeah, I was pretty much um, that 18 year. I didn't, I didn't make the Queensland under-18s, but then I played uh, the Opens under-18, uh, Opens Queensland. And um, from there, it, everything just kind of went very, very quickly because I went pretty well at the Carnival in that, um, that higher division. So from there, just I had clubs calling me uh, that, you know, and then all of a sudden I became a, a possibility to be drafted and, um, and then you get pretty upskilled pretty quickly about what the draft is. And I, I, just, I was by the end, I was following the fan in drafts. As well as the intercept marking, which you developed, you obviously had a very good sidestep and your tackling was very good in defence as well. Now, you, you obviously look at a rugby background and think that that does help. Everybody always talks in AFL about, oh, this guy had a basketball background and that's why he's good in traffic. Did you feel that the skills you developed as a youngster did actually help you when you came into the, uh, into the AFL? Yeah, 100%. Especially tackling, chase down tackles, probably aggression around the ball. Um, it, league, league's a great sport um, for that high contact um, feeling. So when I, when I was lucky enough to come into the AFL system, tackling wasn't as much on the agenda as what it is that you see today. So uh, early on to have uh, that tackling ability definitely gave me an advantage over the other players. Yeah, it came in on the back of a very successful side, basically. They've been playing finals, preliminaries, and so it's going to be very hard to actually break into the team. But when it finally happened, how, how did that happen and how, how did it feel? Uh, yeah, so I was pretty lucky. Well, Ross Lyon came and um, as soon as Ross got to the club, he definitely made, made my uh, tenure there very, very easy. He was a very hard coach, but... Um, as a probably competitive kid, I, I knew what he what he wanted, so I gave me that um, that edge to, to to try my hardest and to really put pressure on, and and then I'd got rewarded for that. So I was lucky enough to break into the side. Looking looking back at that draft time and, and some of those um, you know family drafts and, and mock drafts that, that you mentioned earlier, there was a lot of talk about 
about you playing fullback and, and potentially being the, the heir apparent to, to Maxi Hutchinson at fullback. You had really good closing speed and obviously um, attack at the, the contest and that sort of stuff. But you end up being a really valuable kind of third man in defence, halfback flanker, running defender, etc. in a time where there wasn't a lot of those types of players. Um, how did you feel? What was your best position at the time? Definitely, definitely half back. It's probably um, coming from a limited AFL background. Half back is probably the most suited to those kind of players. Um, definitely, like I found playing up forward very difficult. So um, I, that that's where also the league background kind of comes into a bit of an advantage where you you're used to breaking the line. So when you when you pass. And you're obviously going through the back line, which I was a, I was a backman in rugby league. You, you look to break the line. So when I was playing that that third tour half back, when I had the ball, it was, it was similar to to like rugby league, where you're in your line, you, you're attacking defence, and you can break the line. So that became that came very naturally to me to play that way. Through that nine ten period, yourself and Sam Fisher across half back were practically impassable. You were intercepting everything, rebounding. You were both getting twenty to twenty five possessions a game and taking a stack of marks. Can you take us through your own confidence, but also the confidence within the team? A lot of people look at St Kilda now and feel that maybe in this current group they've lost a bit of trust, or there's a little bit of a disconnect just at the moment. But that O nine team, I would imagine you were going to the footy every week thinking. It doesn't matter what situation presents itself. It doesn't matter where we find ourselves. We've got confidence we'll get out of this. We've got confidence we'll win. And we've got confidence that we'll play well individually. Yeah, look, confidence is a beautiful thing. And if you could buy it, you would. It's very hard to get. And when you've got it, it makes footy a lot easier. Um, no doubt. When when you're confident, you, you play your best footy. And when you're not, footy becomes very, very hard. And simple tasks become even harder. Um I, I think I was extremely lucky to have such a successful side which gave me that confidence. Um, and yeah, Saint, obviously Saints are probably not where they want to be right now, but hopefully they can pick up that confidence. It only takes a couple of weeks to get that confidence back and they, they can use that as a driver for the rest of the season. Sam, Parker just mentioned that that relationship with uh, with Sammy Fisher in the back line and, and it, it was almost like you two had a really good relationship, connection on the field. What was it like off the field? Was it, was that something that you worked on with with Sam Fisher in, in terms of your connection and, and communication on the field? Uh, no, not look, not on the field. Became, it was very natural and off the field was very natural. Sam is a very given, giving person and um, he's always, he always wants to help everyone around him. Um, and uh, yeah, so from day one made my life extremely easy. So yeah, no, it's. Uh, I was lucky that Sam was so given giving. Uh, you say forward wasn't really a position for yourself. You were more a defender of that, but you found yourself drifting up there a few times every now and then. Did you kind of have a bit of a free reign to do that, or was there times where you're told just just get up there, sneak in, see what you can do for us? Yes, uh, different periods. Yes, and, and other periods is more when uh, it's more when we probably needed a bit of a a bit of drive in that I think my, my, my natural aspect was to probably hunt the ball and just kind of be a bit manic. Um, so it was when we kind of needed something to happen instead of just being a traditional lead up forward, I, I kind of always just went to the ball and, and put pressure on and, and continued on, on with that kind of play. Um, 
when I when I say I didn't love Ford, I didn't play a lot of Ford. It's probably early on in my career. As you play the game longer, um, positions become um, more second nature, more natural, which I, I felt a lot more confidence playing forward by the end of my career than I did probably those first few years. I know 09 was painful, but you spoke about swinging forward. The 2010 grand final, there were three big moves made at half time. Justin Kaczynski goes into the ruck because Gardner's injured. Uh, we had Farron Ray tag uh, Dane Swan, and you went forward and had a real impact in that second half. If you look at that that game or those grand finals, is there a memory that, that sort of stands out? Is it one where, you know, you put your head on the pillow at night and go, we, we had a massive crack? Or how do you reflect on on those, well, I guess, three days, uh, 09 and then twice in 2010? Uh, I think about Tommy Hawkins hitting the post a few times because I saw that pretty up close. Yeah. That didn't... Um, didn't make me too happy. Um, yeah, look, I you don't tend to think about your if you do think about your own performances a lot, um, and it's not always like very positive about those games. Um, I did. Uh, I was lucky enough to kick a goal in the drawn grand final, which is a memory I'll, I'll always cherish. Um, but just even making those, even making grand finals, and you know, being part of the parade, and you know, just. So being there on that day is, is a very special feeling that I'll always have. You mentioned that that goal that you kicked. I think there was about seven minutes left. We were just heading into time on in the third quarter from memory. Um, what was the feeling amongst the group at, at that time? So obviously, you know, the first half w- was difficult for us as a team. But then through throughout that third quarter, I, I guess in the in the stands, we felt that that we were a real shot, you know, we were having a, a real red hot crack. And what was the feeling out on, on the ground in terms of that, that comeback? Yeah. When I, you definitely felt the momentum shift. Um, and I think there was always that, that feeling that we lost the year before, which we knew how much that hurt. And I think that was a driving factor as well for a lot of players out there, um, which, you know, probably helped that arm wrestle to come back to the draw that you saw in the day. And for yourself, do you feel like if it had been the extra time, do you feel like you had we had the momentum to take it that day? I was cramped, a full body cramp at that stage, so I was, I, I was, I would have been no help. Looking at um, the immediate aftermath, so obviously it got a bit difficult for us in in 2011, which was probably psychologically a bit by what happened there. And then we had the, the sort of Scott Waters years. Um, I do often ask this question. We are a bit of an uncensored, unfiltered sort of podcast. So what did you make of the, uh, the, the, the tenure immediately after 2010 and the, uh, and the Scott Waters period of 12, 13? Uh, it, was, it, was hard. it was hard when, you, when you've had Ross Lyon and you've, you had so much respect for, for Ross and he's probably, you know, to this day, one of my best coaches um, personally and on the field and off the field. Um, Scotty, Scott came in, probably probably wasn't exactly what um, we were used to. His, his coaching style was extremely different. Um, so probably didn't help having a, a very uh, black and white style kind of coaches kind of come in after. Um, for me, I didn't have any, you know, bad feelings towards Scotty. Um, uh, yeah, he was he was totally fine to myself. Um, I don't think the the team 
particularly played well underneath him. But that wasn't to say that he wasn't probably doing his best to to kind of drive the performance. I think a lot of us were still probably pretty stuck up on uh, on having Ross there. During that that period, I'll just want to take you back a couple of years earlier. But during that period, you know, when when Ross came in, uh, and towards the end of the the Grant Thomas year, I suppose we we're playing a lot of established players. There weren't a lot of young guys coming through, and, and we didn't have a lot of kind of rising stars, you know, nominations th- through that period. But but you were one of those in in two thousand eight. Was there a moment that it kind of clicked for you that you thought I can be a really good AFL player? Uh there probably wasn't a moment. It was always, it was always a driving feeling that you want to be a very good AFL player. And, um, I think the the nature of the game, unfortunately, is you you have really good years and you have really, really lean years. So, and you're seeing that with a lot of good players of the Saints at the moment that probably aren't playing as well as what you expect them to. So, um, I was definitely felt that I I could be a very good player early in my career. Any players that you see walking towards you at the start of a game and you're rubbing hands together going, oh, here we go, here's a good day, good day coming ahead or anyone you sort of thought, oh, no, I don't want to play on them today or oh, the hardest and easiest I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't really man up, so it's a bit <laughs> hard. <laughs> um, later in your career, so you went from being a, a young emerging player in a very good team to being a senior player in a side that was struggling a little bit towards the end of your career. How did you adjust to, to that, taking that leadership role and actually playing a few different roles in the team? You would often go up on a wing, you'd play back, you'd sometimes play forward. You, you became a bit more of a utility sort of towards the end. Yeah. Uh, look, it was, it is what it is. Um, and I definitely didn't have the same performances, which I, which I had at the start of my career, which you know, I was probably a little bit personally disappointed with. I definitely tried my best to, to get those performances back. But um, like, like we spoke about, confidence is something you'd love to be able to walk into a store and buy. Um, but at the same time, I loved, I loved playing those selfless roles. Um, I got to see the side of the team that I probably wouldn't have got to see if I kind of was thinking I was sitting at the top of the tree. Um, I definitely loved watching the younger players grow and, and helping them be better players. Um, on and off the field. Personally, I mean, we, we all know that it's really hard to, to have a long career in, in professional sports, but personally, um, you, you had a lot of ups, but you also had a couple of kind of well-publicised downs, I guess, throughout your, your career, uh, both on the field and, and off. How hard is it emotionally to, to kind of work your way through some of those periods? And, and did you find that it, it affected your form on, on weekends at times? Yeah, look, it definitely, um, definitely something that's difficult to to process when you're probably playing elite sport. Um, yeah, I, th- I think there's there's times that it that definitely affected my performance, um, and there's other times it didn't. Uh, unfortunately, you 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 are you are who you, you you're a product of of um, your performances, and I I wasn't I wasn't where I would have liked to be. I still was, I still think that my performances were probably uh, a positive influence on the team, but as a, as far as being probably the dominant player on the field, I, I wouldn't have been that player. Um, off the field, those things um, happen and that, that makes it, it's, it makes, it's a hard to, de- it's hard to talk about around, 
the off-field issues, but um, they they definitely had a negative uh, impact on some of my performances. Um, but at the same time, it's not the overall uh, impact that the reason I was became a selfless player by the end of my career. Unfortunately, that can only hang around for so long. And I, my as good as my performances were, um, my average performances that, that I had in, through that middle period wasn't truly just because of those off-field uh, incidents. Uh, you finished up pretty early at 32 at the end of 2018. Was Did you feel like you had anything left yourself and was the opportunity to go home to the Gold Coast, did that ever arise or did, was there a chance of it ever happening? I think I, I definitely wanted to be a one-club player. Um, when I finished up, um, I definitely was open to talking to other clubs uh, I didn't personally have a manager at the time. It wasn't something that I uh, particularly thought I needed. I had a, a few short conversations with clubs, but none of that eventuated very fast. So I was, I was very happy to, to call it a day um, by the time I was finished with the Saints. Uh, in terms of your um, post-football career, uh, you, you've been having a kick around sort of locally now with, with Bond Beach with a couple of ex-Saints. What's that, what's that like, obviously, going back a, a, a quite a few levels and the highest level that you played at, but running around with a lot of blokes you're familiar with, like David Armitage. I actually called a game where you guys played Red Hill a couple of weeks ago, and I think you had 35, Armo had about 50, and, and Trent Dennis Lane kicked six in the first half. Um, <laughs> must be good sort of running around with a couple of blokes you know pretty well and, and just enjoying your footy. Yeah, it's great. So much fun. Um, the, there's no pressure. You go you go to train. There's a good group of guys. Um, you know, Armo's one of my good mates. Trent's, Trent's a good mate as well. You get to go down, have a kick. Um, it's I, I love playing footy. I don't want to stop playing footy, so... Um, yes, obviously not playing AFL, but I definitely want to keep having a kick uh, at any level I can until I can't anymore. Last one from me, mate. But how's how's the body these days? Obviously, that your playing style meant that you copped a few knocks and you had some some soft tissue injuries through the through the journey. But how's how's the body feeling now playing the uh, with uh, at, at the lower leagues? Yeah, look, surprisingly good. Maybe I didn't go hard enough because it's pulled uh, <laughs> up pretty well. <laughs> Just one moment, whether it be a, on the field, off the field, anything. What's one moment you go look back and go that 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 just defines what it was to be at the club in the time you were there. I uh, one moment. I always probably think about preseason as a as a whole. I think those, those nine. 10 pre-seasons, you definitely had that feeling through that whole pre-season we're going to be a good side that I'll, I'll always remember. Yeah, I think we are. We have fond memories of those days and look forward to that too. Sam, I think that the journey to be a, you know, someone that turns to footy at 15 or 16 in Queensland, a non-football state, who gets drafted in the middle of the draft, who goes on to play 200 games, finish third in the best and fairest, play well in grand finals for the team. Um, yeah, I think I read a stat that only 3% of AFL footballers ever play 200 games. So to be in that group based on that journey, I think is a tremendous effort. And, and congratulations on all you did with the club. And uh, you were a, a wonderful player. And hopefully I'll call plenty more matches where you tear it up with Bond Beach over the, uh, over the year. Just, just be gentle with my kicking, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us, mate.
There's been some patches in the game that we showed a bit, but you know, really, um, we're off the pace at the moment, and we need to get going. And you know, Ryder will come in next week. Um, everything going to plan, and you know, Webster will be back as well. So we'll start to strengthen. Geary won't be far away. Fawley as well, but um, you know, really, as a team, um, you know, we can't convert as well as we can, and the opposition is still scoring. And the strength of ours last year was our stoppages, which is not working. So, yeah, we've got a fair bit of work to do. And today was. Yeah, you know, the game was over really at three-quarter time, and um, the margin, you know, um, you know, out to 54 points again. So we need to make sure that we keep grinding and finding a way. But um, as we know, seasons can turn, and we'll have an opportunity next week. But we need to really get going as a group. So, yep, we'll see you at Marvel. Sam Gilbert there, and also the thoughts of Brett Ratton after the round six defeat to Port Adelaide. Hawthorne next up. The Hawks have been a pretty solid side over the course of the year. They've been a bit limited at times in terms of their absolute star power, but they make you earn it. Um, they, you know, they, they, they lost to Geelong by five points. They lost to Fremantle in Perth by two goals. They came from seven goals down to beat Essendon in round one by a point. Uh, they lost to Richmond by about four goals and were okay that day. Um and obviously the win over Adelaide at the weekend with um, young Kaczynski, Justin Kaczynski's cousin, kicking five goals uh, in that game. So if you look at us, a side that struggles to score, Hawthorne are a side that defends quite well and, and have been solid. They don't kick massive scores generally, but they'll be a bit of a challenge for us because they're a well-drilled, well-disciplined, well-structured team, a little bit limited in terms of the power. They're not going to rip you apart like Richmond or Portwood, but... They can certainly be dangerous. So, Nick, how are you assessing that matchup? Really interesting. I mean, you're right in that Hawthorne have, have lacked personnel. They've lacked that kind of star power. They've lacked, you know, the, the level of skill, I think, required to to be a, you know, a really competitive unit against against the best. But somehow they manage to do it week after week. They're competitive um, and, and they take it right up to you. They keep running. They keep trying. They keep working. And, and you know, they're winning some games. I don't think anyone expected a whole lot out of them this season, but they're remaining competitive and, you know, it's, it's going to be a tough game. I think we all looked at, at the fixture at the start of the year and, and saw this as a game that, you know, coming off um, West Coast, Port Richmond, you've got to beat Hawthorne. And, and I mean, that's still true, although the situation is a bit different to what we would have expected going around one. Um, it, it's, it's a must win game for us. I think there's some, some things that, that, you know, the guys can look at from last week from Hawthorne's game and, and Max King is one, you know, he's got to, he's got to go into this game thinking that if, if Riley Philthorpe can, can go and kick five in his first game against this Hawthorne defense, then what can I do? You know, I'm just as athletic, if not more, um, I'm stronger, I'm more powerful, I'm more dynamic. Um, you know, this, this is, this is a game that I can really aim a game that I can target this weekend to, to really rip apart. Um, and, you know, talking, looking, looking at our last couple of, games we, we spoke earlier about you know, the way that the way that they tend to drop their heads and and a consistent um a consistent thing coming out of those last couple of games is first quarter inaccuracy you know we go into into quarter time having one field position having one possessions having one contest having one contested marks having one inside 50s and yet we go into quarter time down or, or even when we should be multiple goals up and then they drop their heads and, and you wonder how much that inaccuracy is, is hurting the confidence going to that first break. And if we can kick a few in the first quarter and if Max can really come out firing and, and 
and you know snag a couple and take a couple of grabs and, and kick a couple of goals and that can that can you know, do wonders for the confidence um, and and he should be looking at this game going this this is a game that I'm going to target that that I want to really you know, state my claim that I really want to have an impact on and even if we do get a good start you look at the way Hawthorne won their games this year they've come from a fair way down both times so it, it's do we say it's that Clarko factor? Is is you never rule rule out a, a Clarko team? They just just watching their game on the weekend. I was in and out of the room and had it on the background. And uh, I mean, Adelaide to kick ten straight in the second quarter, and Hawthorne not walk off with their heads down. It's you're sort of thinking they've they've they should think that they're probably not going to win this game because you don't turn around and win a game after a team's kick ten straight on you. Uh, it's only happened 20 it's, times uh, in AFL history, 20 times in yeah. 150 odd years. So, so it, it's quite a effort to then turn around and say, none, we're still going to win this. It, it's, we're still well and truly in this game. And so it, it, we can't let them basically, um, well, put our heads down and go, okay, we've got ahead and, that that's enough. We've they're a team we're going to have to fight out right to the end, despite the fact that sort of I I could not believe when the odds came out. I opened and we're one fifty, and I thought that's that that's not right. Surely, it, the no. way they're playing, the way we're playing, and I, I thought no, they've got the wrong way round. It's yeah, you compare the so, games, and, yeah, yeah. You compare so, the games when they lost to Richmond by four goals, we lost to Richmond by fourteen. Uh, they beat Essendon by a point, we lost Essendon by seventy five. Um, yeah, there's a lot of reasons why they should be favourites. I think people look at our reputation or whatever it may be. But, um, yeah, it's a, it, it's a tough one. I mean, I don't think it'll be smooth sailing. Um, I get the feeling mm. that, you know, we, we might make a, not a statement of sorts, but we might deliver something on, on Saturday and just keep things alive a little bit. But certainly have been wrong before. Selection's interesting. So, Mackenzie out. They accepted the one-game bammer. So, probably shouldn't have. Um his opponent wasn't hurt and played out the rest of the game. Um, Mackenzie would have been on the fringe anyway. Um, Brad Hill's touch and go with the injury that saw him subbed out of the game. Uh, ben Long's got to stop belting blokes and being undisciplined and giving away free kicks and 50-metre penalties. Um, no wonder he's been dropped a few times. They've, they've got a pick by a tell. I know he keeps playing as a sub and keeps getting in. Um, the sub doesn't always play, but he seems to have every time he's been used in that role. So I've just got to pick him and um, out of the VFL, Luke Dunstan had 500 possessions, I think, and um, Paddy Ryder was excellent. So it looks like Ryder will play, and you got the feeling that they were going to hold him back from an interstate trip and, and play him at home first up. So you'd think Ryder in, so it's Ryder in, McKenzie out as a starting point, but then whether or how they get Bytel into the starting side, uh, what they do around Webster potentially. So Webster for McKenzie makes sense. Uh, Carlisle go out for Ryder maybe he's been a little quieter in the last two weeks so if they want to pick a second Ruckman maybe they just pick the second Ruckman and that's the role Carlisle's been playing so he loses his place in the side Hayes. Um, I think Long has to go out the last mm. couple of weeks uh, undisciplined it's just some of the things you look at going what what makes you think that that's the best thing to do for the team he's a couple of times, it feels like he's put his own ego ahead of the team and just like picking a fight with someone after after a little scuffle and things like that and giving that 50 away. And it, 
I mean, someone said, oh, he was, he was standing up or something, but I was looking at the footage. I, I didn't see anything. I, I didn't couldn't see anything that was coming in for it. Just, I think he was just in there to pick a fight. It, something has, I don't know, changed from last year. Last year, we're looking and going, he's a first 22 every week, and mm. he's gone back, so far backwards at the moment that, I mean, geez, I wish he could refine the form that he did have last year, but it just doesn't look like it's going to happen at the minute. So I think possibly a few weeks back in the reserves, just to say, you're, you're not guaranteed a spot. You you need to earn it back. Um, actually, yeah, go back. Show us that you can do the right thing and earn your spot back. Um, but, yeah, I mean, as you're saying, you could... After Seb Ross, you could drop 17 players after last week, but it's, yeah, I mean, he, he'd probably be the first one I'd have on the chopping block to to switch over. But um, I'm, I'm worrying about the dropping the Carlisle, Carlisle thing. It's a forward line. They've got a couple of talls, um, especially in, if you look at how Kaziski played on the weekend. You, you want a, a good defender, then he's... Yeah, I think maybe a good matchup for him. He's not that fast running, running off back, but he's the big defender who can hold down someone like that. So I don't know whether they're yeah, long out of the back line. Carlos stays in, and you and you see you bring in Webster and Webster and Ryder, and but yeah, the same Vitel as well. So I think maybe. Um, Maybe we have to drop. Um, oh, I think his name came in came in last week. Uh, Joyce, he yeah, showed a showed a couple of things, but yeah, I don't know whether he's a someone who's going to hold their spot for very long at all. No, no, I, I think I think you're right there. I think Joyce goes out. I think uh, Mackenzie's obviously out. I think Brad Hill goes out. I think you got to give him you got to give him the week. I mean, he's clearly not right, and and now words coming out that he hasn't been right all year. And he's been carrying a bit of an ankle niggle the whole season. So why not? I mean, you don't have to give him the give him the uh, disrespect or whatever you want to call it of dropping him, but you can you can put it on the ankle and say just get yourself right, take the week, take a couple of weeks if you need it, get your body right, get your head right, have a break, and come back refreshed and, and fit and firing, and, and come and show us what you can do. Um, ben Long, how, you can't pick him, surely, surely you can't pick Ben Long at the moment. This. This has been happening all year, and and I was a, a massive a massive rap on Ben Long all through the off season. Best, like you said, H best twenty two player, hundred um, percent in the squad every week. You pick him because of, of the way that he attacks the ball, the way that he hits the contest. Um, he delivers the ball pretty well. You know, he can play in multiple positions. He's versatile. He's flexible. Um, you can swing him forward if you need. You know, he brings a whole lot of of um, ability and and. Uh, I guess a slightly different skill set and, and tool set to, to almost anyone else on our list. But what he's shown us in the last month, you, you can't pick him on that, surely. Um, you're right, he's, he's undisciplined, he's unfocused. Um, he's not showing any of the, the skill set that we want to see. You know, he's, he's aggressive, yes, but he's aggressive at all the wrong times at all, and at all the wrong people. Um, I think he's got to come out. He, you've got to put him in the middle at Sandy and, and play him for a month in the guts and say, win the ball. Stop Stop attacking people, win the ball, and make that your first priority. Go and show us how you can do that, and then you're a chance to come back in the seniors. 
Um, there's a couple of guys. Obviously, Ryder Ryder clearly comes in, and and Rats I think alluded to that in his in his presser a couple of days ago when he said that that Ryder coming in gives us so much flexibility with what Rowan Marshall gives us, and we know how important Marshall is to our structure when he's in the ruck. But to, to be able to, to switch them and 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 move them forward, and you can have one sitting behind the ball if if things get tough. Um, both of them can play forward and take a mark and kick a goal. Uh, it's so important, I think, to the way that we want to play to have both of them in the lineup. So he, he's the obvious one. I think you're right that Bytel has to play, and I think, I think he's one of those guys now that at this situation, you know, at this point of the season, you say to him, "You're in the team for the rest of the season, the rest of the year. You're going to play. Don't worry. Don't drop your head if you have a ten possession game. If you have a two possession game, you're in the team for the foreseeable future. Go out there and show us what you can do. This is your shot, um, and, and just go and do your thing." Because we know we can play, but he just needs he needs that continuity. He needs that experience at senior level, and and get, getting him twenty minutes one week and forty minutes another week, and then dropping him for a week, sending him back to Sandy. That's not going to help him. He needs he needs continuity. He needs a month or six weeks or or, or twelve weeks at senior level to just you know get himself right at senior level, play against men continually, and, and you know make sure mentally and, and emotionally and physically he understands what it takes to play week after week after week in senior footy. Cause he's got the talent. He's got all the attributes to do it. He's just got to go out and do it and, and have the shot to do it. And there's no better time than now to let him do it. And the other one is, is Tommy Highmore. I think mm. strange one, you know, didn't play last week for Sandy and, and you know, I think he missed out on a, a really valuable experience to, to, to get some more experience. Um, because he didn't play seniors, he didn't play at Sandy, uh, and, and I think he should have played seniors. I'm not sure. I don't understand why they played Joyce over Highmore. Um, the other one is is Ryan Burns, and and he had a pretty serious mm. hamstring injury um, during the off season and, and preseason. So it's good to see him come back at at such a high level in the twos. I think he's probably another week or two away from from the ones, but one to keep an eye on. He had 25 uh, on the weekend for Sandy in, in a game that. Ooh, we looked good for half the game. And then again, something just, just stopped and they, and they fell apart in the second half, but he was one that kept running and he's got good pace. He's got good size. He's strong. He's powerful. He's got good skills, can kick both sides of the body, can handball both sides of the body. Um, and he's got, he's got that youthful vigor that, that we're lacking at the moment. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him, see him in the ones in, in a couple of weeks uh, if things you know, don't start improving. Yeah, I think Burns is a good, a good shout. Good to have him back available. And we've spoken about it a lot the upset, of, the upside of picking. You know, if you've got guys on the table, and with all due respect to them, if you've got McKenzie and Dunstan and Bytel, Bytel's got genuine future upside. Like Dunstan mm-hmm. and and McKenzie, yeah, they might be in good solid form, but you know what you'll get from them, with all due respect to those players. And that's not saying they should never play again by any means, but. If it comes down to those types of calls, Bytel clearly has a future and you've clearly got to start to nurture that future underneath the quality players that you have within the group at the moment. You, I mean, there were times last year where Max King was getting five or six possessions a game, but you pick him because he's got a future and you need to yeah. nurture that and, and eventually those rewards come. You've got to do the same with Bytel. And yeah, the, the Ben Long one, I thought if ever the penny was going to drop with a player, he got suspended in a final last year and cost us at a really, really important stage. The club appealed that suspension twice. You would think that if ever you're going to go home and look in the mirror and go, geez, I've got to be more careful going forward. I've, I've missed a chance to play in a final. Uh, in a lot of ways, by not playing in that final, I've heard our chances of making a prelim. 
you know, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, it's like bush footy where he just runs in and says, I'll just take a scalp here. I'll just smack this bloke in the head on the way through. I won't get the ball, but I'll clean him up. And so, well, there are cameras everywhere, mate. There are umpires all over the ground. There'll be free kicks off the ball. There'll be reports. It's, yeah, it's, it's extraordinary lack of discipline. And I don't know how you snap that out of someone that's got a few things he does quite well. He can get off the ground. He's courageous. He takes good marks. He just makes dumb decisions like that um, and often does that with ball in hand as well. So, and in Very terrible positions as well. You look at, you know, yeah. inside 50 or, or just on, on the halfback flank and and giving away possession mm. and giving away the ball in really, really important positions on the ground where they're going to get a scoring opportunity. Yeah, that's right. Like you'll, he takes intercept marks and turns it over. And yeah, it's just, it's frustrating. But he's a guy that, you know, does have upside. He's just, I don't know, something between the ears isn't quite there at the moment. But it's frustrating, and I agree on on Highmore and, and yes, playing interstate, but none of the none of the emergencies played for Sandringham. I think to hold them all over was not ideal. Um, but yeah, they've just got to make sure they get the matchups right. So how they use Battle again to try to get the best out of him. Um, be careful with guys like Kaczynski. From a Hawthorne point of view, it looks like Dunstan will play his first game for the year this week. But Burgoyne's touch and go. He got subbed out against Adelaide. Um, they're still missing a couple of others that like Will Day and and obviously Sicily and I think Segler is injured as well. But um, yeah, so the, the injury list are probably comparable between the two clubs right now, given Ryder would be available. So we'd be missing Gresham, Hanabry, Geary, Frawley will play twos this week, Patton's out for the year and um, maybe Hill, we'll find out. Um, but, yeah, well, that, that's about where it's at in a selection sense. But hugely important game. If they can get to three and four, they play the Gold Coast the week after, which is not an easy game. We saw that well, every time we go to Metricon, we win by a point. So it's, it's clearly a um, not an easy venue. They've just belted it here or within a kick. <laughs> four points, two points, one point, three points. But... um. Obviously, they, they've just belted Sydney. So we've got to get to that game at three and four and then reassess. And then you know, who knows if you can square that up before you play Geelong and, and maybe get things moving a little bit. But that's a long way away at the moment. So from two and four, Hawthorne is the assignment. Try to get through that and, and see where it leaves us. But boys, uh, hopefully we can stop talking about frustrations and, and dropping blokes and at least get a bit of reprieve and, and, they, can, and they can do the right thing by us all this week. But... Enjoy it for those that are heading along and um, we'll reconvene in a week's time and, and hopefully we're still alive because if we lose, we probably aren't. It's very, very, very much a crucial game this week and it'd be nice to come back with a positive attitude next week.